0: Welcome back for another episode of the Florida Divorce and Family Law Questions podcast. In this podcast, I take listener questions and try to point them in the right direction. Please don't take these answers as legal advice. There's no substitute for sitting down and talking with a lawyer so that uh, he or she can hear the whole story, both sides of your question, and give you advice based on those, that input and, and the law that's applicable to your case. If you want to uh, submit a question, please um, check the show notes. There's information there. You can either submit through my website or um, you can send me an email directly. All right, so on with the first question. This question comes from a single mother down in Holiday, Florida, who says that uh, the child's father has never paid child support and has been in and out of prison a bunch of times since her son was born, and her son is now four years old. Um, Her son has no idea who the father is and really accepts um, her current boyfriend, her fiancé, as um, his father. Um, She says that the child's father has been charged with domestic violence a few times, but was never convicted. And he also has a few gun charges um, and convictions as well. Um, When she was with the father, she was physically abused, although she says she never called the police. Um, She gave birth to her son in Massachusetts. Um, Now has resided in Florida for a while, but will eventually be moving to California. So her question is whether she can have her um, son's father's rights involuntarily terminated and how she would go about doing so. Um, So this can be a complicated situation, but real, first of all, and kind of simply, I get by... um, her comment and her question that she says he's not paid child support and hasn't been ordered to pay child support to mean that he's never been found legally to be the father. Um, when you have a child and you're not married, the only way that there's going to be, um, legal rights that, you know, the the only way the father gets legal rights to a child is, uh, either, well, is by court order. That's, I mean, that's simply the only way. Um, the other way men generally get rights is being married to the, um, the mother of the child. So that didn't happen here. It doesn't sound like there's a court order giving him um, rights and ordering to pay child support. So he doesn't have any rights. So there are no rights at this point to terminate, uh, which I guess for her is good news. The, the bad part of that, of course, is that all the father has to do is go to court and have those rights established. Um, he can do that in Florida because this is where she lives. If he is still in Massachusetts, um, he'd have to take a look and talk to a Massachusetts lawyer, but he probably could file the case in Massachusetts since that's where the child, I mean, I'm assuming that's where this child was conceived. She says that that's where the child was born. So she probably, he probably could file a case like that up here, I mean, in Massachusetts, or he could do it in Florida where she lives now um, and probably over in California when she moves over there. But to eliminate the possibility of that, and it seems like she's interested in getting rights to her child, um, to her boyfriend, um, there's really no way to do that. The only way he can get rights is a boyfriend would be to adopt a child and that would terminate her rights. So I'm sure she's not terribly interested in doing that. That would seem kind of strange. Um, So really the only alternative is what we call a step-parent adoption. So step-parent. You know, so th- he would have to be the child's step parent, which means that the boyfriend, fiance would have to be actually married to the mother. Um, then you get into the whole um, adoption question and the procedures you have to go about um, there. The father would have to be notified. He would have to, um, you know, have his opportunity to object. The way that um, adoptions or way adoption, I think, would probably work in her case would be um, a little unusual. Um, I think the court would probably waive the requirement that he consent to uh, this adoption because she would probably, and this is something that's probably very specific to Florida, other states vary on their adoption laws, but she could ask that the court waive the requirement that he uh, consent to the adoption because he's abandoned the child, which means really it's up to the judge to decide what abandon means. But I think generally case law has kind of shown us that abandon means that he's had no contact with the child at all for a period of a year or more. And that means no cards, no gifts, no phone calls, no child support, um, no contact at all. And really based on the question that she asked, it does seem like that's the, that is the situation here, that this guy for years, not just one year, but for years, has had no contact at all with this child. So in that situation, to the extent she can prove that and give the father notice of a hearing, so he has to at least have the opportunity to show up at a hearing and say, yeah, she's lying or she's making this up or she's concealed the child. You know, of course, I haven't had any contact with him because she's been in hiding for years, Um, all those kind of things. Um, So even if he shows up at the hearing and wants to become a part of the child's life going on, the judge you know, is at least supposed to um, not allow that. Saying he's already lost his chance to do that, he's already uh, abandoned the child for a period of a year or more, so that his now consent to the adoption, which he's not going to give, doesn't even need to be given. So he can simply terminate his rights, and then the step parent adoption goes forward fairly simply. Um, then, did the, all the judge would have to think that the adoption is in the best interest of the child? And certainly if the mother's there saying that it's in the best interest of the child, um, it's, of course, in general, better to have a father than not have a father. Um, And so they would probably order the step-parent adoption at that part, I mean, at, at that time. Next, we have a question from a husband in Panama City who has not seen his wife in about eight years, which is peculiar, but I guess that happens. He says they also have Two daughters and uh, his children, who live with him, have not seen their mother um, in about that same time frame. He says that he's, for the last eight years, been scared to get a divorce because he didn't want the judge to give uh, custody of the children um, to his wife because he she has, you know, at least in his his view, has a uh, drug addiction, um, no job, no prospects, um, and apparently is quite a mess. Um, he says he's been employed in a stable job, the same job for the last 15 years, and is uh, not hard to locate. She has only very recently made a handful of attempts to see the children over the last few months. And he says she has an additional history of mental illness, suicide attempts, and methamphetamine addiction. Um, so he wants to know what really the chances are of him getting a divorce. Well, quite simply, the chances of him getting divorced are hundred percent. Of course, he's going to get a divorce. Um, I'm not sure if that's exactly his question. Um, if his question is more about just the divorce, which shouldn't be much of a problem at all, um, or if it's losing his kids. Um, any, I, I don't know that she'd want the kids to live with him. Um, but let's just, if she doesn't, then that makes this case even easier. But if she does, then the court has to consider a whole uh, list in the statutes of factors what's to to determine essentially what's in the best interest of the children. That's the standard the judge has to go by. Does the judge thinks that, does the judge think the children are going to be better off with him or with her? Now, again, as I've said on this podcast quite a number of times and to clients on the phone all the time, um, we're only hearing one version of the story. Even if this is true, who knows what kind of a mess he might be. I mean, he doesn't, he seems pretty stable. Um, He's been taking care of his kids for a long time all by himself. So he's probably... Pretty good, and that's probably where the kids would stay. I would say, um, on average, but the judge, even in you know what would seem like a clear-cut case, they have to analyze all the various factors, um, and it's things like you know who offers a more stable home, um, who's more likely to foster a relationship with the other parent. Um, has there ever been any history of domestic violence, of drug use, of mental illness? Um, you know, all those all those things uh, go into play here. I just don't really see, based on the question, how a judge would side with her if she has these problems and he's just a regular um, working guy. It would seem fairly clear-cut that the judge award the majority of the time timesharing um, to to the husband here, but you know, you never know. That's why I encourage people, go talk to a local lawyer, it, it, even if you can't afford a lawyer to represent you and hire you. I mean, you can hire and have you represent you in the case, especially a um case like this where there potentially might be an argument over where the children are going to be, the majority of their time, those cases can cost thousands and thousands of dollars and drag on for, you know, maybe the better part of a year. Um, You should at least get an idea of what the law is, Um, you know, you can go to the law library at a courthouse and look these things up, but that, you don't get the same, the same feel for what's important and what's not, unless you talk to somebody in your community. And you can, he's in Panama City. You can talk to a lawyer in Tallahassee or Jacksonville or Orlando and you hear the law. But it's important to talk to somebody local uh, because they know the judge or one of the judges that you're probably going to see. Different judges can decide things different ways. Okay. It might be that the judge over there in Panama City and in Bay County, um, a local lawyer is going to know, oh, hey, Judge so and so is definitely going to decide this one way or the other. um, And that can save you a lot of money um, choosing whether to hire a lawyer or not. So, uh, definitely I would try that out. Talk to somebody local, but it doesn't seem like he'd have too much trouble. Um, as far as, you know, he says he was abandoned and, um, you know, his wife left a long time ago in, in Florida, Florida's a no fault divorce state. He doesn't have to prove that she left. I don't know that, that would be very difficult to prove anyway. Um, but he doesn't have to prove any reason. All he has to prove as that is that the marriage is irretrievably broken. That means broken and can't be fixed, okay? A lot of people's marriages get broken over the years, but they fix them. If you have your marriage broken and you cannot fix it, then that's the grounds for divorce that you need to be able to prove to the court. And that's usually um, proven by simply one party stating, yes, our marriage is irretrievably broken, and the other party agrees. Um, Very seldomly do you have the case where somebody says that the marriage is irretrievably broken and the other party says, eh, no, no, it's not. I think we've got problems, but I think they can be fixed. Um, that, while it does happen, I think those, those cases are pretty rare. Up next, we have a question from a mother and wife in St. Petersburg who wants to know if she can get a simplified dissolution of marriage um, in a situation where she has been separated from her husband for two years But in that two-year period, she apparently um, got pregnant and had a child with um, someone who is not her husband. She says that her husband knows about the child and knows it's not his. She doesn't think it's his. He doesn't think it's his. And I guess the man she's with now, or maybe is, maybe is not with the father of the child. But everybody agrees that this child is not the legal or biological child um, of her husband. So she wants to know, if she can get, if she can use the simplified dissolution of marriage procedure. So, first, a brief explanation. A simplified dissolution of marriage procedure is available for people who don't have lawyers, who don't have property, and don't have children. Okay. Um, so, th- they kind of fast track those so those people can get their divorces done pretty quickly. If you're not going to argue about property and you, because you don't have any, and you're not going to argue, about children, because you don't have any, then your case doesn't need to take very long. How long those cases take, I can't really tell you, because as a lawyer, I only, you know, represent people who have a lawyer, you know, me. Um, So I don't believe it takes more than a month or two. Well, it has to at least take three weeks. The statutes require you to wait at least three weeks after you file your petition to have your final hearing, but probably not a whole lot longer than that. So I would probably say around six weeks to two months, it would probably take to do a simplified dissolution of marriage. So in her case, she can't use this procedure because she has a child, even though it's not the child of her marriage. Uh, Well, let me put it differently. It is a child of her marriage because her husband, whether he knows it or not, and whether he likes it or not, and whether the mother likes it or knows it, um, her husband is the legal father of this child. So nobody apparently in this case wants that to be the case. So that can be fixed. It's just it's a problem that needs to be cleared up. And since it's a problem that needs to be cleared up, they don't let you go into the simplified dissolution track. All right. So to clean it up, um, the judge has to make a decision about, uh, like everything else in a divorce case involving children um, and in the children's issues, he has to make a decision. He or she, the judge, needs to make a decision on what they think is in the best interest of the child. So typically they will terminate um, the husband's rights to a child in a situation like this because it's in the child's best interest to be raised by um, their actual parent who has, you know, expressed interest and wants to be involved in the child's life. Okay. So the cases in the past that I've handled like this are, you know, it pops up every once a couple times a year. Um, in those cases, at least the judges here in, in Duval County, and it's probably at least a similar situation throughout the rest of the state, um, require that the um husband file an affidavit that simply states that he is not the father of the child and he doesn't want any rights to the child. It also requires the mother to say basically the same thing that this is a child she had um in her marriage but is not her husband's child and she identifies the husband or sorry she identifies the child's biological father. Next, and sometimes very difficult to do, Is get an affidavit from the actual biological father who says that he is the biological father of this child born born during these um, people's marriage and that he has the interest to take on the role of father for these children okay Uh, so if you can get all those things and file them with the clerk then uh, you simply can get a final judgment that will say that the father Um, It it doesn't really determine paternity for the biological father, but what it does is it takes the husband out of the role of being the legal father. So at that point, legally, you would have a situation where the child has only one legal parent, the mother. The mother could then file a paternity case, or the father, the biological father, could file a paternity case against the mother, either way, and have those things, um, established. A child support amount could be set. a visitation schedule could be scheduled. Um, all those things can happen. Those are just the normal things that happen in, in any paternity case. The real big problem comes up when the mother doesn't know who the father is, doesn't know the the biological father. I mean, so either she doesn't know who he is, doesn't know where he is. If she knows who he is, um, or if she knows who he is and where he is he is not they're not together anymore so he isn't in the least bit inclined to sign one of these affidavits in that situation the judge you put the judge in a really hard position because why would it be in general it's in the child's best interest for the husband to pay child support even though it's not his child okay legally it is and the cases on this are recent and long standing there's long line of precedent back many, many, you know, a hundred or so years back to when Florida first became a state in in the 1800s, that the presumption that a child born during a marriage is the legal father of the husband, um, the courts of appeals and Supreme Court of Florida has said this is one of the oldest assumptions in the law. And so that's not something that they're going to overturn probably anytime soon. So it would be in the child's best financial interest for the husband to to pay child support, if you've got this other guy, um, the biological father who isn't doing a thing for the child, or who's unknown, or who may be known and wanted a part of the child's life, but he, you know, got in a car accident, died, something like that, um, then in those those are the hard situations where the husband's just going to be out of luck, and he's going to have to pay um, he's going to have to pay child support on a child that everybody knows isn't his biological child. So that is this is certainly a situation. Certainly, if you're the father. Or the husband in a situation like this, you really need to talk to a lawyer about how to get all this cleaned up, um, so that you don't get stuck paying child support. And and again, I think it's important to note in the cases that I've been involved where this has happened, none of the mothers have ever wanted the their soon to be ex husbands to pay child support. They all know. I mean, they wouldn't turn down the money if they you know if they didn't you know if it was given to them anyway. But they all understand that it's just not right that they. that the husband should have to pay child support for a child that's not biologically his. But the law doesn't really care about that. The law is looking out for the child, not necessarily what the mother wants and not necessarily what the husband wants. And very often what the husband and the mother and the child want are all the same thing. But in this situation, it's not. You're dealing with a small child who needs money, who needs money for clothes, for toys, for food for shelter, all those things. And it's better that the father pay these things, than, or the husband rather, pay these these expenses or help pay for these expenses, than they just don't get met at all. Next, we have a question from an ex-husband and father in Miami who states that his ex-wife will not let their child move in with him in his new home because of the fact that the husband's new girlfriend will be moving into that home as well. So he wants to know if she is allowed to just kind of insert this restriction into their life when their marital settlement agreement, you know, back from when they got divorced, doesn't say anything about any kind of, a, you know, prohibition about living with people when they're not married. So she wants to know if she can do that. Um, the short answer in a situation like this is, is no. No, she can't. Um, very often, people will have in their um, parenting plan or in the settlement agreement that they're not allowed to even, uh, you know, bring their children around um, new people that the parents are dating until they've dated for six months. You know, so you just don't have a steady parade of men and women in and out of these children. You know, potentially young children's lives that they might get attached to after a few weeks, but then the relationship's not terribly serious, and then it ends, and then that causes a trauma to the child. Whereas the parent might, you know, whatever relationship ends, no big deal. Maybe we'll find somebody else pretty soon. Great. But for the kid, that's like another loss. So some parents, some parents don't think of doing that. Some parents don't think it's a problem. And some parents do think it's a problem and have specific language in there. So that this is, a, this is something they can do. Otherwise you, there's other language you can put in there about that. You're not going to have any, you know, same set or opposite sex overnight guests while the child is staying with you. So in a situation where, say, a child lives primarily with the mom, um, dad can have a girlfriend, and maybe she lives there, or maybe she just spends a bunch of nights there. Um, but when the child is over there, like, say, every other weekend, she goes somewhere else. She goes and stays with a girlfriend. She goes back to her apartment where she has, you know, where she lives at least in in name only, um, but she's not around the child. Well, maybe around, but just not there overnight. Uh, I really think this used to be kind of more prevalent um, when I started practicing family law about 16 years ago. Um, you could probably get in some trouble for having, you know, kids stay over at your house uh, or not kids stay here, but have a child stay at your house when you had a, an opposite kind of set, you know, you had a girlfriend or boyfriend stay over, over with you. That was not looked upon very favorably at all. Um, I, certainly in the last 16 years, attitudes towards that have changed and it's not that unusual. So uh, this is a question like uh, like I've said and uh, you know kind of relating to other questions. You really need to know your judge. There might you might be in a county where you get assigned to an older judge who has older opinions, and for him or her, this might be something that's just unthinkable. Why in the world would you let a child spend the night when you have your girlfriend over there? He could say potentially, you know, the judge could say to the father. Other judges could look at the mother in a situation like this and go, what, what are you talking about? You're crazy. You know, he, he can handle lot to have a girlfriend. I mean, what's the problem with that? You know, are they having sex in front of the child? Of course not. Um, are they doing anything else bad? No, of course not. So mind your own business. You know, two totally different opinions in the same case with the same parents with the same facts scenario. So you really need to know the judge and know what you're dealing with before you try to do this. But it seems like in, um, this gentleman down in Miami situation that his marital settlement agreement doesn't say any, there's no prohibition, at least, you know, from what he says, there's no prohibition against this happening. She just figures that this is something that she doesn't like. Uh, so she's going to try to put a stop to it. So to the extent she doesn't let it go forward, um, he can go to court and, you know, uh, f- file a motion for contempt and have the judge tell her that, you know, this is not something that you can necessarily object to, um, She probably could object if there was some harm. And that's the reason why the judges don't, I don't think in general, care about these things anymore, because there's no proof, um, no suggestion that this harms the child, I don't think. Um, Maybe this particular child may be harmed. Okay, let's assume that's the case. Then she would have to offer some kind of testimony of some kind of mental health expert to the court to say, that hey, this particular child is impacted because of the father's you know living situation with this woman. That for whatever reason, this little boy, little girl, um, I guess the little boy, he said it was a he said it was a son, um, is impacted by this and cause his, causes him some emotional problems. Okay, this is not something that is just so widely known that the judge is just going to assume. I don't think you have to bring an expert into court and prove that um, children would be harmed to sleep in a bed in a hotel next to dad and his girlfriend when they're, you know, uh, smoking marijuana, having, you know, having sex next time. I mean, that's ridiculous. Everybody knows that that's wrong and that has an impact on the child, okay? But just the bare presence of this woman um, might, I mean, honestly, it might cause a problem for the kid, but I think that's something that the mother would have to prove in court for the court to take any kind of action um, and put a stop to it. And I think that would honestly be pretty rare and it gets real expensive getting, um, doctors and mental health people to come to court to testify about things like this. And it would get expensive from the dad's side because I'm sure he'll be able to find somebody who can come right to court and say that no, there's no impact at all. And this other expert is just making it all up. That's all I have for this episode. My name is Jim Mullaney, and I practice in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, You can submit questions here for the podcast uh, on the web or through my email address and directions for that are in the show notes. Uh, My street address is 4741 Atlantic Boulevard, Suite A1, Jacksonville, Florida, 32207. My phone number is 904-858-4334. I can be reached via Twitter. You can submit your questions on Twitter as well. I'm at JacksDivorceATTY. Uh, That's all for this episode. We'll see you back in a few weeks.